Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 1. The Bible says, When the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God gives you, and you succeed them, and you dwell in their cities and in their houses, you will separate three cities for you in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God gives you to possess it. You'll prepare you away and divide the coast of your land, which the Lord your God gives you to inherit into three parts so that every slayer may run into it. This is a portion of two texts that have to do with what were known as cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. And today I want to ask the Lord to minister to us on this topic. Spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. Brother Stedham, would you lift your voice? Ask God to bless his word today. Church said, Amen. Amen. How many like the spring? Anybody like spring? Is it your favorite season? Not your favorite. My, my favorite. What's your favorite, Sister Algeria? The fall? I see you. I love, I love autumn, but I also love the spring. It is awesome to be uh, in, in the springtime. It seems like the older I get, I enjoy the spring more. Maybe it's something about the renewal of life and, and all that. But I, I do enjoy the, the springtime. The chill kind of comes out of the air. And uh, it's not too hot, but it's not too cold. Uh, the mosquitoes have not yet formed bomber squadron formations. Uh, you know, they say that the mosquitoes are Louisiana state bird. And, and I believe it. But I believe some of them migrate north at the Mississippi River. I, I, I hate mosquitoes. The humidity is somewhat under 98%. And y'all know that's a blessing here, here in Memphis. And spring is a wonderful time. It is the best two days of the year in Memphis. Because spring doesn't seem to, to last longer uh, for us. Buds on the trees, the flowers in bloom. The whole world seems to come alive. I, um, I don't grow a lot of crocuses around here. I guess that's the first flower. Um, but uh, the ones I love, I think the proper name is daffodils. But when I grew up, I called them buttercups. You know, that's the yellow flowers. And just about Valentine's, they'll come up, and it's a little Valentine to the world, and it shows you spring is on the way. When it really gets here, irises come out. That's our state flower, and I love it. I love the irises. They're so beautiful, and they only bloom for a short time, but I enjoy seeing all of that. The whole world seems to just, to just pop into view. We, we were on a piece of property the other day, and the trees just had little bitty buds, and we went back about 10 days later, and Brother Miller, it was just, the leaves were everywhere. It, it, it is just, it's like there was an explosion of color and life, the springtime. It makes you want to kind of dig around the flower bed and, and plant something. It makes you want to get out there and put out some tomatoes. It makes you want to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and spend $3.98 for things that you know are going to die. But you just, you just, you just got to get them out there. You know, you, you got to get something to ground. My wife laughs at me because... I just about, you know, some people can't drive by a shoe store without running in or maybe an outdoor store or a clothing store. 
If I pass a Lowe's or a Home Depot, I am at risk to pick up a tree or, a, or, or, or 16 trees or, 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 or zucchini or squash. I love to plant things, Brother Billy. I, I, just, I just love it. It makes you want to clean things up and organize things. Brother Mark, it makes you want to get out that label gun and head to the pantry and just, just get everything. Rebecca, you know what I'm talking about. And just, just get out there and, and, and you, want to get, you want to organize your boxes so you can organize the things that you put in it and, and everything. And, and, and uh, one of the retail sectors that boomed during the pandemic actually was the home improvement industry. Because Brother Jeffrey, when you're looking around, you see things that you need to fix up. Not his house. His house looks like a showroom. I, I've been there once. I, I never went back because it just looked so perfect. I was afraid I'd mess something up. His house looks awesome. But there's something about looking around and taking stock that makes you want to kind of clean up. You know that idea of spring cleaning? Spring cleaning. They say the average person spends around six to seven hours a week cleaning their house. Average. Some people spend much less and some people spend much more. And you can probably tell. We've got two toddlers. We could spend six hours a, a, a day. <laughs> and it wouldn't make a whole lot of dent as long as those rascals are awake. Because you clean it up and literally they will, they will, they will change it uh, around. Spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. Anybody ever done spring cleaning? Do you enjoy it? I, I kind of do. I, I enjoy the results. Because, you know, you've been walking out in that garage and I need to do that, I need to do that. Spring cleaning. God had a similar process baked into his law. We'll read about it here uh, around the cities of refuge. We find it in our text today. It said, Brother Billy, you need to wake up and make a way for yourself. We talk about the Lord being the way maker. You ever heard that? He's a way maker. He makes a way where there is no way. In this text today, God actually challenged his covenant people to make a way to the city of refuge. It, these cities of refuge, God had given the Levites, the, the priests, he had given them 48 cities and the surrounding land. But out of those 48 cities, he selected six of them and they were to be called cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. I want to make something plain today. From the Garden of Eden... When God came in and said, where are you, Adam? And he knew where he was, but he wanted to hear Adam's voice. Sheila, from then until now, God has been making a way for his people to get back to him. God makes a way for mercy. God makes a way for restoration. God makes a way for reconciliation. So if you're standing on the side of reconciliation right now, you've ever heard people talk about being on the right side of history? That's well and good. But I want to make for certain sure that I'm on the right side of eternity. Let me tell you what the side of eternity is. Mercy. The side of eternity is justice. The side of eternity is reconciliation. And it is refuge. God had this process of the cities of refuge. Six cities. Golan. Ramoth. Bozar. On the east side of the Jordan. Kadesh. Shechem. And Hebron. On the west side of the Jordan. They were set up as a place where the guilty could go and find asylum. They were not set up for those that were falsely accused. They weren't set up for those that got lied on. They weren't set up for the people that just had a rumor about them. They were actually set up for people who had done the crime. And the Bible says... 
that if you were being pursued by someone, it was actually called the blood avenger. If they were coming to persecute you and, and to actually execute a sentence on you, if you could make it to the city of refuge before they caught you, then you could face the elders of that city. They would determine what you had done. But while the blood was hot, you couldn't be touched if you could get in the city of refuge. You had a chance if you could make the city of refuge. The avenger couldn't touch them as long as they remained in the city. There's a whole other sermon here about staying in the city of refuge and allowing yourself and your life to be protected by being part of what God has provided for us. I'll just say it this way. I don't intend to walk out that door today and face the condemnation of hell for my failures, my faults, and my actions, my words, and my deeds without being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because once God has made a provision for me, I want to make sure that I live and I dwell in that provision. Cities of refuge. They were set up for the person who had done wrong. It's interesting, Brother Mosier, that there were three on the east side of the Jordan and there were three on the west side of the Jordan. Why? Because that's where the children of Israel settled. Brother Miller, that's where they settled. And so God wanted to make sure that they were geographically dispersed so that you were never too far from mercy. Why do we want an index family in every neighborhood in Arlington? Let me just cut to the chase right now. Because we don't want anybody to be too far from mercy. Because your home can become a city of refuge for someone if you're willing to make it so. Somebody can sit at your coffee table. Somebody can be at your, at your, your dinner table. And they can have a situation going on in their life. But you can be the place that they run to to find shelter and refuge in your life. God had distributed these cities both on the east side and the west side of the Jordan River. In order that they wouldn't have to cross that raging river in times of harvest and in times of flooding. But they could easily get to a city of refuge. No natural barrier was intended to keep people from refuge. Brother Young, what is so interesting to me, and I, I, I have studied this topic before, but I have never noticed it until I studied it this week. Not only were there three cities on one side of the Jordan and three cities on the other so that no natural barrier could prevent someone from getting to mercy, but also, also, there were cities of refuge in the nation of Judah and the nation of Israel. Keep in mind that it would be hundreds of years from the time of this promise and this command until the time that the kingdom was divided. But Sheila, God foresaw the, the, the stupidity of man and how the kingdom would be divided. It wasn't a geographical barrier, it was a political and social barrier that kept them from that. But God made it sure that there were refuges in the north and refuges in the south. It doesn't matter if your barrier to mercy is natural or if people have put it in front of you, God intends for it to be 
easy for you to access mercy. I want to make another point today. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 35 and verse 15 that these cities of refuge were for the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner. And it goes on to say it was for everyone. I want to make a strong statement and I want you to hear me with both ears and your soul right now. This church will never be a church that only has refuge and only has mercy for the stranger. We are going to have mercy also for the children of covenant. Sometimes we're guilty as God's people, Brother Harris. If somebody outside has a messed up life and they come in, we'll celebrate and we'll party because the drug dealer came in and they got baptized. We'll celebrate because, you know, the, the, the one who, who, who was a, a corporate raider, he comes in and now he gives to the poor. We'll celebrate someone who comes out and we'll use, we'll call their experiences testimonies but you let somebody look look at you a little funny or somebody say something out of line or somebody lose their temper sometimes after they've started their walk with God and sometimes we're guilty of not being so quick to offer mercy but brother said I want to say this the city of refuge is not only for the stranger the city of refuge is for the child of God and if you make a mistake and you have a bad day or you do something stupid You're still a child of God until you walk out that door and say, I don't want him anymore. I want to tell somebody today that refuge is not just for the lost. Refuge is for the saved. Just like the blood of Jesus Christ covers your sins before you walk in covenant. I've had to fall to my knees many times and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm here again, but I need you to help me again. But I'm told to tell you today that city of refuge is still standing. That city of refuge is still open. That city of refuge is still alive. Alive and well today. It was available. God set it up. It was in Judea and Israel. It was in the north and the south. It was in the east and the west. But in Deuteronomy 19 and 3, we find something that connects this idea of what in the world is spring cleaning in the city of refuge. The Israelites were to build roads to make it easier to reach the cities of refuge. I'm going to try to contain my emotions today. But there's something special about thinking about people who are already safe and people who are already prospering and people who are already blessed. What are you doing today, Josiah? What are you doing today, Azariah? What are you going to do today, David? What are you going to do today, Abraham? Just I'm trying to think of some Hebrews names here. What are you doing today? I've got to go build a road. Where are you building a road to? I'm building a road to refuge. Why are you building a road to refuge today? Because somebody this year might need it. And I want to make it real easy for somebody to get into the city of refuge if they need it. I would to God today we had 20 or 25 people that would say, I'm going to build a road to refuge. I'm going to make it wide. I'm going to make it smooth. And I'm going to make sure somebody can get to the Lord. I want to make somebody easy to get to the road. Of reconciliation. It's inconvenient to build roads. It slows you down. It costs money, but it's essential. Right. Some of you have been driving around town. You're probably like Mayor Wisman. He said, I'll be glad when we get rid of all these construction cones. I'll be glad when we don't have to come through town and see construction. My Lord, I, I've, lived, I've lived in Memphis. I've got squatters' rights. I've been here for nearly three decades, and construction has never stopped. It's never stopped. But, Jeffrey, it's necessary. Sometimes, hear me, church, sometimes, 
Making a road to refuge is inconvenient. Sometimes it's going to cost you an extra phone call. Sometimes you're going to have to shove the plate back and fast for a family or, 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 or pray for a marriage. Or you're going to have to, to get in where it's gritty and grimy and dirty. And you're going to have to work with somebody. And you're going to have to say, I care about you even when you're not on your Sunday best. I care about you. But you're building a road to refuge. I'm telling you, if we'll build it, they will come. If we will make a road to refuge, there's plenty of broken people in this city that need what the Lord has to offer. We may have to enter a building program to do it, but we're going to do it. The problem with cities of refuge is the problem that you have in your garage. It's the same problem that happens to sock drawers, flower beds, and that God-forsaken space between your dryer and the wall where everything collects. It's the same problem. Because once you build something, Brother Young, you get it good and organized, it doesn't stay that way. Ever since the fall of humanity in the garden, there's been something in the universe that just kind of works in a broken way. And, and, you know, you can throw up, you can cut up the dictionary into a million pieces, you can throw it up in the air, it won't come down, Romeo and Juliet. There's just something about disorder. You let your garage go for about two weeks, just see what happens. Ride in your car for two weeks. And don't clean up, don't make an effort, just see what happens. It doesn't have that new car smell without maintenance. Unattended things don't take care of themselves. Files turn into piles and then the piles fall over. What am I saying today? Somehow in the course of every year, the roads to restoration in Israel would get grown over. A storm would come and it would blow some limbs down. And and then a flood would come, Brother Willie, and it would wash out ruts in the road. And it would would come in and, and there'd be potholes. My Lord, March must be the month that every tire dealer in Memphis praises the Lord for his or her profession. Because the potholes left over from the winter will blow an axle if you drive too fast and hit them. There, there are, there, it's possible there are people with their own zip code in some of those potholes because maintenance matters. And without maintaining roads, they fall into disarray. And it's dangerous to travel a road that's in disarray. It's dangerous to go too fast down a road that's not been maintained. So, Brother Mark, what they had to do every year, the Bible said, you got to make a way. You got to come and you got to look for the limbs. You got to come and you got to look for the ruts. And just because you build a road for restoration, doesn't mean it's going to stay open. We can't come here Sunday after Sunday in our Sunday best and pretend that because we have righteousness that the road to mercy is wide open in front of our building. We can't sit here and just say they'll make it to us somehow. But we've got to prepare a way for mercy. We've got to be intentional about it. We've got to maintain the highway to refuge. Jewish law commanded that the covenant people of God keep the roads open. Let me read to you from the Mishnah, which was a commentary on the Pentateuch or the Jewish law. Quote, the court is obligated. Listen to those words. The court is obligated to straighten the roads to the city of refuge, to repair them and to broaden them. They had to be 48 feet wide. A super highway to mercy, Scott. A four lane leading to restoration. No cow path here. 
No, no game trail. No, oh, Sheila, I can't find the road. I wish I could get to mercy, but I can't find the way at that church. I, I, I wanted to be restored, but, but nobody showed me the pathway because I, I walked in and nobody spoke to me. I, I, I stayed there and, and, and it was a cold and dry service. Nobody seemed to, to be worshiping the Lord. I, I came by and, 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 and I listened to everybody and they seemed a little bit too perfect for me. And I thought, I'm too messed up to be part of that church. No, no, no. Here's what they had to do. The court is obligated to straighten the roads to the city of refuge to repair them and to broaden them they must remove all impediments and obstacles bridges must be built over the natural barriers so as not to delay one who is fleeing to the city of refuge the width of a road to the city of refuge must be no less than 48 feet watch this at every crossroads leading to that city sheila they had to hang a sign and twice just for the dumb people They had to do it twice. Refuge, refuge. And you had to point an arrow to where you were supposed to go. I'm going to tell you, you may have to tell some people twice that they can get out of their mess. You may have to put it twice on the sign. You may have to broaden the road. But God cares about people. He wants to restore people. He's got cities of refuge that he wants to use. And it's our obligation to make sure somebody knows. Billy, here's what touched me. It wasn't the sinner's responsibility to maintain the road. Jeffrey, it was not the drug addict's responsibility to make sure that she had a way back to get to salvation. It was not the perpetrator's responsibility to maintain mercy. Brother Jim, it said the court was charged. The people who were in charge of righteousness and judgment were also in charge of making sure that mercy was available. I'm looking at some good people here today. I'm looking at some people who look really nice and I wouldn't be ashamed to be anywhere with you. I'd take you to the White House or I'd take you to the to the, the richest person's house or I'd take you to a soup kitchen. I'd go anywhere with you people. You look fine and you look nice and you look righteous. But let me tell you something. We're under a holy obligation today, not just to look right righteous but to be righteous we're under a holy obligation today not just to come to church but to be the church we're under a holy obligation today not just to thank god for refuge but to make sure refuge is available for somebody somebody get with me today there's a city out there full of people that need the lord there's a group of people that need restoration and they need a refuge and it's up to you and it's up to me to make the difference it wasn't the obligation of the guilty it was a responsibility of the righteous. I know they got to repent, Billy. I know you can't bulldoze a tank over somebody and drive them into heaven. The Bible says it's not the will of God that any should perish. And so I know if it's not God's will and God loves him and he gave, I know we can't make everybody go to heaven. I know we can't make everybody love truth. I know we can't make everybody yield to God's sovereignty. But I'll tell you one thing we can do, Scott. I can get the obstacles out of their way. And if it's the last thing I do on this earth, I'm going to clear a road that's 48 feet wide that says refuge, 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 refuge. Come this way. Come this way. We'll welcome you. We'll pray for you. We'll pass for you. We'll have a meal with you. We'll disciple you. We'll love you. Oh, by the way, if you were part of the people of God and you did something stupid, Refuge is still for you. It's not just for the stranger. It's for every person. If you lose your temper and yell at your wife, I won't condemn you. 
You better repent to your wife. <laughs> and you better not bring a sign in that says, Refuge, Refuge. and said, Brother Clay says it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. If you lose your temper, I'm still going to love you. If you say something dumb to me, I'm still going to love you. Because I need to live in a place called Refuge. The job of the covenant people to ensure God's mercy was readily available is, is that same unstoppable drive to reach the guilty that we find in the prophets. Isaiah 45 and 2, he said, I'm going to make the crooked places straight. Amen. Easier, Brother Jim, to go around the mountain like this. Hard work to blast through all that rock. But the prophet said, I'm going to make the crooked places straight. In Luke, he picked up that prophecy and he applied it to John and he said, I'm making the ways straight. John said, I'm not the light. I'm not him. I'm not the lamb. I'm not the one that can give you mercy. I can't save your soul. I can't deal with your problems. It's that guy over there that can deal with your problems. But what I can do is I can make everything straight and smooth so you can get to him. In case you're not listening to me today, John the Baptist said... Here's the lamb. He's taken away the sin of the world. I'm going to make it plain for you so you can get to the lamb. Can we be a church at Arlington United that says we can't do, we can't solve your sin problem. We can't solve your marriage problem. We can't solve your racism problem. We can't solve your financial problem or your pride problem. But we can take down any barrier that can keep you from getting to Jesus. Because if you get to Jesus, you're going to be okay. Let's maintain mercy. Let's make sure the road to refuge is open. Would you stand with me today? Spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. What do you need to get out of the way? I'm going to tell you something. I need to get some pride out of the way. Because sometimes I'm just too proud to reach out to a person. What will they think? What will they say? What will they think about me? What if, what if, what if they actually come and you know, y'all know how I am at 2.15. Nobody's going to be here. And we're all going to, everybody's going to sit around and think, oh my Lord, what in the world? What if they do come? I'll tell you what happens. It doesn't matter if there's 300 of us here or if there's three here. If we've got a road to mercy open and somebody needs mercy and they feel the presence of Jesus Christ, it's not going to matter if we don't have a fancy smoke machine or a 17-member band or if we don't have a congregation of 3,000 people. If those people find mercy, that's what they're looking for. I need to get my pride out of the way. I need to get my apathy out of the way. People are dying every day. People are hurting every night. People cry themselves to sleep at night and it's not enough to pad my 401k or to edge my lawn and go out and look at my flowers or to go hunting and fishing and do all the things that I like and just enjoy the things and the blessings that God has given me. Not a thing wrong with that, but I need a spiritual hunger in me, Scott, that says I've got to make a road to mercy. I've got to maintain a highway that somebody can get to refuge home. Prejudice. Prejudice. They won't want it. They won't care about it. They're not like me. They don't look like me. Don't come from the same background. Don't act like me. Who in the world cares? You think the person that needs refuge is worried about whether the gate man at the city looks like him or comes from the same school background, he could not possibly give a rat's tail. All he's looking for is to get away from the avenger. Brother Young, if we'll open the door to mercy, people can get in. Fear, preference, sin, self. They're all barriers to mercy. Spring cleaning time today. Spring cleaning.
I'm going to ask you a question. Don't answer it. Not out loud. You answer it in your heart. How wide is your road to mercy? How smooth is your pathway to get somebody to the prophet? How open is your doorway to the door of the sheepfold? How long has it been since you filled a pothole on the way to somebody's promise? How long has it been since you got your steamroller out and you made it real smooth for somebody to be saved? How long has it been since you sacrificed to make sure somebody else could get to mercy? I'm telling you today, it's spring cleaning time. It's spring cleaning time. It's spring cleaning time today at Arlington United. If there's anything in your life that you need to remove to make it easier for somebody to get to mercy, now would be the time. As Jana sings, it's time for us to remove every barrier that keeps anyone from receiving what God has for them today. If you need mercy, it's in this house today. I, if I could open my heart before God, I don't have one thing that stands between you and mercy. I'll do whatever it takes for you to make heaven your home. And this church will do the same thing. But church, we've got to turn around. We've got a community of 16 thousand people that need a smooth wide road to get to mercy let's tear down the barriers let's tear down prejudice let's tear down pride let's tear down apathy and let's make it easy for the guilty to get to the one who can give absolution today spring cleaning let's do some cleaning right now let's let the spirit speak to us in the name of jesus thank you lord thank you